And Father, we continue in worship this morning. We do praise you because you are holy and you are good. And every moment we say that, we realize we are not. And so many things are brought before our eyes and our minds and our hearts that should not be. And our desires run rampant. And we pray that you would rule over us and cause your son Christ to be our chief desire, our greatest end and our most pleasurable thing as he is to you, Lord. Your highest pleasure is in him, and I pray that ours would be as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Welcome here if you're just joining us. My name is Pastor Jeremy Lobdell. We're super excited to continue worshiping Jesus this morning. We're moving through the gospel of Mark at our church, which is super cool because it's an action-packed book, an action-packed series. He moves rapidly like a comic book or a superhero thing. And as a result, it's packed plum full of action, but sort of leaves it to the reader to interpret it a little bit. And today is one of those scenes in Mark chapter 15. Uh, Before we get there, I want to set it up for you a little bit and just remind you of some of the things we've encountered along the way. The different scenes that have gone back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. And one of the key words that the author here is using is this word immediately immediately and he starts out with that word immediately exactly right i love it when you get my humor it's so fun there's a few of you here that laugh at dad jokes still and i'm really thankful for that but here we are at the beginning of the book and jesus shows up on the scene and immediately as he's coming to be baptized by john The heavens are torn open and the spirit is descending on him in power like a dove. And wow, look at this. And then in verse 18 of chapter 1, Jesus calls his disciples. And they don't argue with him like my kids do with me. (laughs) They don't argue, they don't contradict, they don't anything else. Just immediately they drop it and follow Jesus. Wow. Now that's power. He runs into lepers. Same chapter still. Chapter 1. And leprosy is a thing that in the olden days. You don't even want to get close to that. Because nobody can heal it. If you get it you're dead. And it's a long miserable slow process. So stay away. And Jesus immediately heals the lepers. Then chapter 5. He doesn't wait around very long. And there's a dead little girl. And he tells her to get up. And she does. Immediately. And so too with the blind in chapter 10 and over and over again, things are happening radically and quickly and dynamically and powerfully. And the reader begins to think, wow, I guess the kingdom of God is here. It looks like it's breaking in according to one of the commentaries. He says, the weight is over. God's acting. And now we see heaven on earth in the person of Christ. This must be it. Yes. We win. And then we follow the story. And it looks like it's moving in that direction. All of a sudden there's some complications to this plot. We see that Jesus is anointed in Mark. Not once but twice. And that makes sense. Because prophets were anointed. And priests were anointed. And kings were anointed. And along the way, we've been asking ourselves, who is this guy? What is he? Is he a prophet? Is he a priest? Is he a king? Is he Messiah? Oh, man, this could be good. 
And then he's praying in the garden of Gethsemane. He's sweating and it doesn't look like what we're expecting. But don't worry because Peter's got his sword. And if anybody can defend Jesus, it's got to be him. Somebody tries to take him. No worries for that fisherman. Jesus tells Peter, it's going to go a little different than that. Peter doesn't get it. Jesus says, watch and pray. And then you see Jesus praying. And when Jesus is praying, he prays probably one of the most important prayers in the entire Bible. Anytime you encounter anything, your prayer should move like this. We did a whole sermon on it. But here it is in 1436. He says, Abba, Father. And Jesus calls out to God and calls him Father in a way that no one else ever has. And then he recognizes one of the most important things for God to be God and says, all things are possible for you. You are omnipotent. And here's my request, Lord. Remove this cup from me. That's what we all want, right? Let's get out of the suffering. Find the easy road. Not so straight and narrow, but the wide, cozy. And yet... He humbles and submits himself to say, not what I will, but what you will. And that submission is really what steals him for what lies ahead. And so we expect then, having seen what we've seen with the spirit and the leprosy and the resurrections and the healing and the storms and all this other good stuff. We're expecting when Jesus prays, the heavens will open, right? And the spirit will descend and there will be power. And whatever he requests, he'll get. That's pretty much what happened up until now. But then, what happened in Gethsemane when he says, "Not remove this cup from me. The next time the author uses the word immediately. Immediately, who shows up? Judas. Immediately, Judas. Immediately, the exact opposite of the cup being removed. And what happens is Judas sets in motion this chain of events with a sham trial and Peter's betrayal. And now today we're in front of this Roman governor called Pilate. And maybe, just maybe, God is yet to answer Jesus' request. Because this is March Madness, right? I mean, it goes down to the last minute, last second, may even go into overtime. Perhaps, just perhaps, it's still not over. Even though it looks like it's over, maybe it's not. You know, the high council of the priests have condemned him. His friends have betrayed him. Obviously, his own people have rejected him. But maybe now, in front of the Roman, in front of the guy who's not afraid of these other people, maybe Pilate will think of something really creative that'll get Jesus out of this mess. Perhaps there is some way that he can work the legal system to deliver this unique individual. Mark chapter 15. Mark chapter 15, beginning in verse 1, says this. Immediately. Immediately. 
as soon as. It's the same word, same Greek word. Immediately, as soon as. Oh, maybe the kingdom is coming. Maybe this is it. Immediately, as soon as it was morning. Morning, that's the picture. The bright sun rises. The champion comes riding in. Immediately, as soon as it was morning. The chief priest held a consultation with the elders and scribes and the whole council. Oh, these are not the good guys. And they bound Jesus. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Bound? Like a criminal? Like he's going to run away? Like he's a bad guy? And they led him away and delivered him over to Pilate. They gave a Jew over to the Romans? And Pilate asked him point blank, hey, are you the king of the Jews? Is that who you think you are? Jesus answers him rather nonchalantly, you have said so. And the chief priests then proceed again to accuse him of many things. Talk about accusations. Not just one or two, but lots. Jesus is standing there, says nothing. Pilate asks him again, have you no answer to make? See, look, how many charges they bring against you. These are not legal charges. These are personal. And again, just like before the Sanhedrin, the Jewish high council, Jesus made no further answer. Pilate was amazed. So now the wheels start turning in verse 6 at the feast. He remembers he used to release for them one prisoner for whom they asked. And among the rebels in prison who had committed murder in the insurrection, someone who they thought might be a Messiah, someone who wanted to overthrow the government, overthrow the Romans, the insurrection. Let's rebel. There was a man called... Barabbas. The crowd came up and they began to ask Pilate to do as he usually did for them. And Pilate answered them saying, oh, of course. Do you want me to release for you the king of the Jews? For he perceived that it was out of envy that the chief priest had delivered up Jesus. But the chief priest stirred up the crowd to have Pilate release for them Barabbas instead. And Pilate again said to them, uh, really the question all of us should ask, what shall I do with a man? What do you do with Jesus? What shall I do with a man you call the king of the Jews? And they cried out, crucify him. Pilate asks the question for which the sermon is titled, why? Why? Why crucify Jesus? What evil has he done? But they shouted all the more, crucify him, crucify him. So Pilate, wishing to satisfy the crowd, always the wrong approach. Teenagers, did you hear that? Always the wrong approach. Released Barabbas for them and having scourged Jesus, he delivered him to be crucified. This is the word of the Lord. Praise be to God.
So what in the world is going on in this section? That's what I wrestled with all week long. I remember at one point coming home and telling my wife, as I often do, I did not get this one. I mean, the first part is very similar to a previous section where we saw Jesus before the Sanhedrin, and he takes a similar approach. Before the Sanhedrin, they accuse him of all this stuff. He says nothing. Before Pilate, there's all these accusations. He says nothing. And then there's this thing with this guy named Barabbas. Anybody in here name their kiddo Barabbas? Definitely not Judas or Jezebel or anything like that, right? But maybe you could name your kiddo Barabbas. Not because of this person in the text, but because of what the name actually means. Let me give you a hint. Simon, what comes after that? Barjona. What does that mean? Simon, son of Jonah. Bar means son. If you're a son of the commandment, it means you've completed what? Bar mitzvah. Bar, son, mitzvah, commandment. If you are Bar Abba, what are you? Son of the father. Who then is the real son of the father here? There are two people being contrasted. One is innocent. One is guilty. But interestingly enough, the innocent one is going to give his life for the guilty one. Let me say that again. The innocent gives his life for the guilty The true son of the father will sacrifice himself according to the father's will, according to the father's plan, and for the father's good pleasure. Here is Jesus, bar God. What we have here is a beautiful reenactment. It was actually Robin who pointed this out to me. I was wrestling with it. I was like, I don't know, honey. I don't get it. I don't know. What's this? She's like, this doesn't seem like that. I'm like, yeah, actually it does. <laughs> What's happening here is this. There's a substitution, an exchange, good for evil. And we do, we do enactments in the Christian church, in the church of Christianity All the time, if you think about the long history and progression of God's revelation or how he explains his plan to people, he does it through various enactments, one of the first of which being, you know, the the lambs that are sacrificed in the Passover in the deliverance of the Jewish people from slavery. He's showing them this is how a Messiah, a deliverer, will look. It's one that will shed its blood but get you out of trouble. And then the same thing with the Levitical system, the Day of Atonement, the Lord's Supper, even baptism, buried in death and raised in resurrection. All of these things are Physical enactments of the good news of God's eternal plan. Of his sacrifice of his only bar son to die on the cross and be buried and raised to life on the third day for the forgiveness of sins. That's what's happening here with Bar Abbas. 
See, he's a prisoner. He's a captive. He cannot get out. He is condemned. He deserves to die. And guess what we are? So too are some of you. So too am I. We are prisoners. We are condemned. We are captive. We cannot get out. And we need Jesus to give his life for us. There is no other way. For Barabbas or for us. And so many times I hear people really mess up the good news of the Bible in this way. They'll say things about Jesus like, well, he was a good teacher. Well, yeah. Well, he was a great example. Well, yeah. Well, he came to show us how life could really be. Well, yeah. But you know who Jesus was more than anybody else? He was the true son of the father came to give his life a ransom for many see if a prisoner is going to be freed a price has to be paid there is a ransom going on here there's an exchange there's a swap there's a deliverance and this is the very thing that john said and jesus affirmed at the beginning of the gospel when he said the spirit of the lord is upon him because he has anointed him to proclaim the good news to release the captives and recover the sight and declare the year of the Lord's favor. Jesus is here to save sinners by substituting himself. See, there's one thing that Jesus does that nobody else can do. And that's be the perfect lamb of God. That's why Christianity is exclusive. That's why we say, if you don't believe in Jesus, there's no other way. Because nobody else can do that. Other people can be pretty good examples. Not perfect, but good. Other people can show us how good life is. But nobody can die on the cross to pay the price for our sins. Except for the only begotten Son of the living God. Only Jesus can do that. He's the true son of the father. He's perfect in every way. Pilate asked the question in verse 13. Here's verse 13. Thank you so much, Martin. Mark chapter 15, verse 13. It says this. In verse 13, they said they cried out and crucify him. In verse 14, Pilate said to them, why? 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 Why crucify Jesus? Second Corinthians 5.21 tells us the answer. Second Corinthians 5.21 says, God for our sake made him Jesus who knew no sin to become sin so that we might become the righteousness of God. This is a big word here, but hang on. You can ask me later if you forget it. It's called penal substitutionary atonement. Jesus paid our penalty and substituted himself for our atonement or the ability to be made one with God. First Corinthians 15 Three says it like this. For I delivered unto you as of first importance. Why do we want to be a gospel-centered family? Because that is the first and most important thing about a church. What I also received. That Christ 
died for, on behalf of, in exchange, substituting himself as the perfect lamb of God, Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. He is the Passover lamb. He is the law fulfilled. He is the perfect high priest that makes atonement for us before the father. He is the one who was and is and is to come. You know, they've been wrong most of the way. The high priest about accusing Jesus and all this. But we'll see as this thing plays out why this must happen. And as it turns out, there is one thing that one of the high priests got right. His name was Caiaphas. In John chapter 11, he said, you know, it is better that one man should die for the people. There is only one who can do that. And perhaps maybe, just maybe, it's not over yet. All things are possible for you, Father. Yet not what you will, but what I will. Maybe this cup will pass. Maybe there is a way that through the death, burial, and resurrection, the captives will be free. Prisoners lose, sins forgiven, and atonement made. Maybe, just maybe, the waiting is over. God's action is at hand. And the very thing we least expect, we are seeing right now, the inbreaking of the kingdom of God. Father, we thank you and praise you for Jesus, your son. Thank you for his perfect work on the cross. He does all things so well. We pray, Lord God, as we sing about him now and we worship through giving, we respond in many different ways. That you will bless our hearts and bring us one step closer to him. Lord, help us as a family to treasure Christ more than anything else. In whose name we pray. Amen.